Welcome to Curve Beam Connect. Listen in monthly as we talk with doctors and experts in the field discussing innovations and insights into orthopedic imaging. Welcome to the Curve Beam Connect podcast, where we give doctors, patients, and anyone interested in healthcare and technology a look into how our solutions are changing medicine. I'm your host, Vinti Singh, Director of Marketing here at Curvebeam. This episode, I'm chatting with Mr. Matthew Salon, a British foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon working in Guildford in London. He has published over 50 scientific papers and holds academic posts at two universities. Ankle fractures, hallux rigidus, and heel pain are areas of particular interest to him. Matthew is also chairman of the Medical Advisory Board for Standing CT Company. This company provides weight-bearing CT imaging to medical facilities in the United Kingdom. Welcome, Mr. Salon. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much, Vinti. It's great to speak to you today. So let's begin by discussing the impact that COVID-19 has had on your orthopedic practice. What was the immediate impact to both emergency and elective procedures? Okay, well, look, like every country that's been hit hard by the virus, uh, the UK has seen everything change, and hospitals are certainly no exception. And in Britain, the vast majority of orthopedic surgeons work for our, our public national health service and also spend some of their time working in private practice. So when the COVID emergency struck, two things happened. Firstly, the UK government decided that all non-urgent care would have to stop immediately. Mm -hmm. And that was so that staff could be redeployed and everyone could be ready for the huge numbers of respiratory emergencies that were anticipated. Mm -hmm. The second notable change was that all the private hospitals were swallowed up into the healthcare system of the public sector to provide extra capacity, mm. uh, ITU facilities, uh, ventilators. So all work in private hospitals stopped at the same time. Mm. So to answer your question about my practice, essentially everything stopped completely. The last planned operation I did was back in early March. But some things go on. I've still been doing outpatient consultations by telephone or video. And of course, orthopedic emergencies continue to arrive. Mm -hmm. But only open fractures and hip fractures have really been treated surgically. Everything else has been treated non-operatively where possible. Uh, my orthopedic colleagues and I have also been um, having to get used to working with the extra personal protective equipment. And so everything takes longer. And we've also been taking some of the work away from the minor injuries side of the emergency room, taking them directly to our outpatients. And we've been doing manipulations and wound care away from the main emergency room. Mm -hmm. We also have a minor injuries centre located away from the main hospital. And we've been rotated to help the um, facility there, which is usually manned by senior nurses. We've also occasionally had to go up onto the COVID wards to help our medical colleagues with patients recovering from their respiratory illnesses. So what are the guidelines in your hospital currently for ordering a CT scan for any indications that are not COVID related? So imaging services in the hospitals, like everything else, have been pretty much shut down. Uh, for anything that isn't critical. The CT scanners in particular 
have still been busy dealing with some cancer work, but even for fractures, we've had difficulty accessing a CT scan. In my hospital, there are two fixed CT scanners and to try and help with the social distancing, they've designated one for patients who are known or suspected to, to have COVID uh, and the other scanner has been kept clean or cleanish for those who are less likely to be infected. And there is currently a shortage of CT scanners in the United Kingdom, correct? Yes, that's true. And that's been highlighted as one of the barriers we now face when we move towards a recovery phase from this pandemic. Um, the UK uh, College of Radiologists, I recently read uh, in the medical press, uh, feel we have far fewer scans per head of population than many other countries. And they've highlighted this as a real barrier to trying to catch up with all the work that hasn't been done over the last three months. Yes, because there's definitely going to be a jump in elective procedures once we return to somewhat of a state of, of normalcy. Yes, I mean, as of today, w w the hospitals are just starting to move away from the sort of full lockdown procedure and beginning to talk about how we can start planning to perform some ordinary everyday work again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So could you comment on the prevalence of emergency orthopedic injuries that you've witnessed in the past two months compared to pre-COVID times? Yes, that's been interesting. The, the, the British public have uh, been pretty good at following government advice to stay at home and to stay safe. Um, and with very little traffic on the roads and no organized sports, we've seen a, a, a big reduction in the number of injuries. Uh, I did some number crunching on this. And in fact, the number of referrals we've had for, for what I'd call walking wounded patients mm -hmm. uh, fell by two thirds. So we've only seen about 30% of the cases that we would ordinarily see. Um, but of course, some of the more serious injuries still occur hip fractures and so on uh, don't stop just because of lockdown. Right. So even though the total volume of emergency cases has been reduced, they still need to be addressed. Um, and that's where Standing CT Company uh, kind of came in with an innovative solution. Could you just explain what Standing CT Company is and the service that it provides? Yeah, sure. The standing CT company was um, set up as a essentially a scanner on the back of a truck or a van to give hospitals access to this uh, new imaging modality. Um, foot and ankle surgeons in particular are very keen on having imaging studies performed when the patient's standing up because it shows what's happening when the foot and the ankle are being used. And until recently, we could only do that with, with old-fashioned x-rays, which just give a 2D picture. Um, if you wanted more anatomical detail to answer more difficult questions, then a CT scanner or an MRI was necessary, and the patient has to lie down from that. So you lose what's happening inside the ankle and foot. Then cone beam CT arrived, which gave uh, big advantages because the patient could have a CT scan while standing up. And the other big news on this was that there was such a low radiation dose that the radiation is about 5% of that required for a normal CT scan. 
and is pretty much exactly the same as it would be for a series of X-rays that we'd ordinarily use. So having access to this cone beam standing CT uh, is really revolutionary for foot and ankle surgeons in particular. And in places where the scanners are accessible on mainland Europe and in the States, um, there are colleagues reporting that they don't take any X-rays anymore and that the, the, the new modality replaces not just CT scans, but standing X-rays as well. Uh, and the UK has been slow to pick up on this. There are one or two scanners in private hospitals in central London, and that's where I first got exposure to this technique um, and found it very useful uh, in helping my patients there. And a group of us decided that it would be helpful to have this more widely accessible. And that's where the mobile service with the scanner on the back of a lorry came into being. And in 2019, a small number of public hospitals started arranging scanning days for their patients. And so my foot and ankle colleagues and I were able to prearrange for some of our more complex cases to have a weight-bearing CT scan uh, on, the, on the van or truck in the same way that we would ordinarily have arranged a, a CT or an MRI scan for the patient. Mm -hmm. Okay. And can you describe how this service was used prior to COVID-19? How was the NHS in your private practice utilizing the service in, in normal times? Yeah, so, so before COVID, in the public hospital, we arranged for the van to visit um, initially every two months, but as it became more popular, we had visits every six weeks. And the service could provide about 30 scans a day because each scan is a relatively rapid um, <laughs> affair. The, the patient just stands in the scanner for two minutes or so. Um, and so 30 scans a day was, was very achievable. And now that the COVID pandemic has arrived, uh, my understanding is you still use the scanner, um, but that mobile unit has been redeployed. Can you describe how and why? Yeah, so when COVID, um, the emergency began, and it was ordained that we were not to do any routine work anymore, um, we could see a situation where patients were going to get stuck in the system and not get the care they required. Um, it's one thing to telephone a patient about their problem or have a video consultation, but if you have no imaging to back up your clinical decision making, mm -hmm. there's a very strong chance that you'll simply finish the consultation by arranging another visit to your outpatient clinic for some point in the future once the virus problem's gone away. So given that we couldn't get imaging studies, x-rays or scans done in the main hospital, mm -hmm. we decided it would be a good idea to make use of the mobile scanning service if we were able to for some of our patients. And the first group we looked at were the patients who'd had their operations in January and February mm -hmm. and needed an x-ray really to see whether their operation had finished joining, whether the bones were united mm -hmm. and whether their care could progress for example, whether they could stop using their protective boot or give up their crutches. Mm -hmm. So we, we identified all those patients and those that were suitable were invited along to have a scan on the mobile unit away from the main hospital uh, and with very strict precautions with regards to distancing and personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, we, we did a 
far smaller number of scans each day, but it was still a useful service because patients' care could continue uninterrupted. Could I interject and ask quickly, prior to COVID, would a post-operative scan normally have been done on the weight-bearing CT system, or would that have been done on regular X-ray? And are you seeing a difference in quality? Uh, so that's a good question. Traditionally, um, orthopedic surgeons decide whether their bone is mended using X-rays, but this is pretty unreliable. Um, and CT scanning is a much more useful way to be certain that the bones are fused together properly. The problem, of course, is that a CT scan is um, a lot of radiation for a patient and is uh, a limited resource in terms of availability. So traditionally, we would use x-rays typically every six weeks until we were satisfied that the recovery was complete. Mm -hmm. Before COVID, if the timing was right, I would refer a patient for a standing CT scan because then I would know for certain whether the bones were joined up or not. Mm -hmm. And this would probably reduce the number of visits they required to the clinic. Um, and the image quality on the mobile CT scanner uh, is to all intents and purposes every bit as good as the traditional CT scanners with the higher dose of radiation. Right. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so now would you say all patients are getting a CT scan as their follow-up imaging if you're seeing them in this model? So during the COVID pandemic, uh, a few patients who had for example, ankle fractures fixed in February or early March and needed an X-ray, um, rather than just tell them to keep their boot on until we could bring them back to hospital, right. we were able to get their scan done um, on the mobile unit, and then we'd know everything was okay for their care to progress. That's great. That's great. So uh, the, the first group of patients that you're seeing in this new model is those who are post-surgical. What are the other groups that you're, you're seeing in this model? So there's, there's two other groups, really. There are the patients who had appointments booked into the system and were due to come for an outpatient consultation in March, April, May. Mm -hmm. A great many of my patients, uh, as part of their first consultation, would have x-rays taken of their foot or their ankle problem to help with the diagnosis. And some might require a, another test later, like an MRI scan, but that would be done at a later date. Mm -hmm. um, so to just speak to those patients on the phone and um, or consult with them over video without the benefit of any x-rays was mm -hmm. going to make giving them advice very much more difficult. So it took a bit of paperwork, but we went through all the referral letters for the new patients and identified those that would have been having an x-ray in normal times. Mm -hmm. And we arranged a, a, an appointment for a standing CT scan a week or so before their appointment was due, so that when I had them on the video consult or was speaking to them on the telephone, I could see the result of their standing CT scan, which gave me much more confidence in um, being able to advise them and decide what was necessary as the next step. Okay, okay. Uh, could you make any comments as to getting a CT scan routinely first as opposed to an x-ray? Have you noticed any, the extra information, has that changed anything in your in your first consultation? Have you noticed any trends? 
so there's two trends to talk about there. Firstly, we get more detailed information from a standing CT scan than we do from standing x-rays because mm -hmm. everything's in, in three dimensions. Mm -hmm. And there are some particular areas of practice where this is helpful. For example, identifying whether the arthritis in a big toe joint has spread to all parts of the joint, mm -hmm. um, in looking at the alignment in postural deformities, and also in trauma situations or situations after trauma, which we'll perhaps come back to in a minute. So armed with this 3D information, the choice of next test, if one is needed, is very different. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've noticed since having much freer access to the standing CT is that I'm ordering way fewer MRI scans mm. because I've already got some of the information that we rely on MRI for. Mm -hmm. And if there's a soft tissue problem that I really have to investigate further, then an ultrasound scan is going to be a quicker, cheaper and more productive next investigation. Hmm, so I'm, I'm ordering far fewer MRI scans since having the ability to use the standing CT scan as my index investigation. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and what is the third type of uh, patient that you're seeing in this new model? So. A number of fractures, particularly foot and ankle injuries, uh, benefit from weight-bearing studies. Um, more than two-thirds of, of broken ankles can be difficult to decide how to treat mm -hmm. because on ordinary x-rays, you're not quite sure whether or not that's, that fracture is unstable, requiring surgical treatment, or whether actually Yes, the bone's broken, but the ankle joint is stable as a as a structure. And so they can be treated without the need for surgery. Mm -hmm. And the best way we have of determining that difference between a stable injury and an unstable one is to take an X-ray picture a few days after the injury with the patient standing on it, mm -hmm. because then we can see under physiological load whether or not the bones move into the wrong position. And standing CT scan is a fantastic way of doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, ankle mm -hmm. fractures aren't the only example. There are some more subtle injuries involving the midfoot or the syndesmosis of the ankle. Uh, and there's some quite good literature now showing that a, a weight-bearing CT is really the investigation of choice for those particular injuries. Mm -hmm. So during this COVID lockdown, we, we've been able to make good use of the uh, standing CT scan of the mobile service to help with some of these primary injuries. Mm -hmm. Which normally would have been x-ray first, but now you're, as you said, this gets to be the, the baseline study. And so you're seeing more upfront. Absolutely. Um, and, and those injuries come in two forms, really. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that the orthopedic team have been redeployed really more to the front line in the emergency room and the minor injuries. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're the first to see the patient, we might choose a standing CT as our first investigation. Mm -hmm. But also if the um, patient has been seen by the emergency room doctors and an x-ray has already been taken, then for some of those, uh, we can use the standing CT as a, a surrogate for ordinary CT or MRI to get further information. Sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so for this uh, fracture clinic, what is the process if a patient needs a scan? How uh, are they able to book an appointment and actually get a scan on the mobile unit? 
So anticipating that um, some fresh injuries would, would require scans like this, uh, the schedule for the planned scans, as well as keeping the schedule fairly light to allow for van cleaning, uh, we also deliberately left a few gaps in the scanning day so that acute injuries could be fitted in on the day. Mm -hmm. So if I was sitting in the minor injuries unit, uh, which is where we parked the mobile service, mm -hmm. and somebody's brought in with a suspected ankle injury, I can assess them. And if they need imaging, they can at the same time, just like they would normally have an x-ray in the emergency room, they could go to the mobile scanning unit have a scan, get an answer straight away, and uh, be managed appropriately on the basis of that information. Hmm. And when you say it's parked outside, is it literally in the parking lot of the minor injuries unit? Yeah, that's correct. That's where we've been um, parking it when we were using it for routine foot and ankle care before the COVID crisis, because it's plenty of parking there for patients, and during COVID, particularly useful to be able to keep everybody spaced out and maintain all the necessary social distancing and so on. Mm -hmm. That's great. And then how do you access the scans for review as the treating surgeon? So now we've got everything sorted out so that a wire comes out from the van and connects to the hospital computer network but that was something we had to fix up pretty quickly at the beginning of the COVID emergency prior to the emergency where the scanning facility was visiting once every few weeks the uh, scan data was put onto discs passed to the main hospital where the radiology department would upload it onto the hospital viewing system but with the hospital technicians working from home and everyone trying to stay away from the main hospital that wasn't a very good solution mm -hmm. and there was one week where everything was a little bit slow because the scans had to be uploaded to the cloud and then downloaded again before being put onto the hospital system. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, the uh, the hospital information governance and IT departments acted really quickly to get all the approvals we needed to arrange a, a plug-in system, which now works very well. Okay, so that's kind of like a pack. So now you can see the images almost immediately once the scans are taken. Exactly. The images go straight to packs and, and are visible within a few minutes. That's great. Uh, so I'm hearing a lot of efficiencies. Uh, you know, somebody comes to the emergency room and the time between the initial x-ray and potential follow-up CT is immediately reduced. You're, you're getting a more complete picture for a more accurate diagnosis. Could any parts of this model be preserved post-COVID, in your opinion? Yes, we're very excited that this will be one of the lessons learned from the COVID crisis uh, that will hopefully become embedded in, in our practice in the future. A lot of doctors, me included, were, were not very keen on the idea of of telemedicine and video consultations, but mm -hmm. uh, I've eaten a large slice of humble pie <laughs> because it works very well um, for the right patient. And mm -hmm. it's certainly something I'll carry forward in my practice after the emergency. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope the same will be true of, of weight bearing CT because it makes a big difference to how efficiently we can manage these patients. Fewer MRI scans is, is an efficiency and a cost saving. And there, there are lots of things we can learn from, from this experience. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I'm hopeful that we will continue to use the service 
after COVID. I think in an absolutely ideal world, hospital emergency rooms would have cone beam CT as mm -hmm. their first investigation. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the hospital I work in isn't alone in having a steady stream of missed fractures that pass through the emergency room and are picked up subsequently either by a radiology uh, screening checkup service. Uh, but those patients uh, do occasionally come to harm and there are costs associated with that. Mm -hmm. And if instead of having plain x-rays in the emergency room, uh, patients had a 3D low-dose cone beam CT, mm -hmm. then we would reduce quite dramatically the number of missed injuries. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a very good point. Uh, and it, I think, you know, COVID maybe proved that model. So uh, emergency rooms, which may have otherwise prior been, prior to this have been hesitant, the, the use case or the, the evidence has now kind of actually been proven in, in practical terms. You, you mentioned that, you know, you, you see that there could be a, a more permanent shift to telemedicine. And right now it's been done out of necessity where you said for certain patients um, who are coming in for elective appointments, you would pre-identify them saying that I'm going to need to see a scan prior to a, a consultation. Do you, knowing that many times an imaging study is crucial for a particular diagnosis, do you think that paradigm could potentially change as well, where in the episode of care, we could, we might eliminate the need for sort of a face-to-face -face conversation and then move them to, or recommend them for imaging and then come back and review the scan? Do you see it potentially just based on kind of the patient history? We could say, there's a 99% chance that I'm going to need imaging, so let's do that first before we then have the, the clinical conversation with the patient. Yes, that, that's, that's sort of how we practice already with ordinary x-rays. Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of foot and ankle situations, we can't make any decisions without some form of imaging study. Mm -hmm. And the simplest, cheapest and quickest to organize is um, x-ray pictures. Mm -hmm. So a lot of patients who come for their first appointment to my outpatient clinic will have an x-ray on that day. Mm -hmm and a discussion based on that, and a proportion will need some further investigations, for example, an MRI scan. Mm -hmm. So I can tell with a very high degree of accuracy from the referral letter mm -hmm. whether or not I would like to have x-rays of that patient. Right. And so with the standing CT, I can prearrange that. So at the time of their first consultation, I've already got that information to hand. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, so that, that is much more efficient for the patient. Absolutely. Would you have any advice for anyone who is interested in potentially adopting this model? Uh, any best practices you might suggest or just tips for how to even get started? So there's two things to consider here. One is, do you want this extra information to try and help your patients? And I think anybody who's interested in foot and ankle surgery in particular will say yes. <laughs> but the indications for cone beam CT are multiplying and some of the latest machines scan knees, hips, the spine, uh, and there are upper limb scanners as well. So we're going to, we're going to see cone beam CT 
really revolutionized orthopedic care. Mm -hmm. So I think all orthopedic surgeons need to, to think about this and, and move towards using it as a way of improving care for their patients. What's fundamental is the very low radiation dose because I've, I now find it hard to justify requesting an old-fashioned CT scan <laughs> with the high radiation dose that that uh, carries with it when there's a perfectly good alternative that takes 5% or less of the, same, of the radiation for the same information. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of your patients, you need to, to think about using cone beam CT. If you want to use it as a mobile service, there are some considerations um, and there's quite a lot of homework to do getting the service set up. And I, my advice would be don't underestimate the amount of teamwork that's required. Mm -hmm. So if you're the orthopedic surgeon, you need to have your radiology team on board. You need your orthopedic managers, uh, radiology managers, mm -hmm. but there's a wider circle to include. I mentioned earlier on when we were talking about wiring up the PACS service, um, information technology need to be involved, information governance, um, deciding how you're going to deal with the process of booking the scans. But it's all very doable. As long as you join those dots, everything falls into place. Um, and I'd encourage anyone to, to try this because it makes a, a really positive impact on your practice. This has been an extremely insightful conversation. Uh, if there are any uh, medical professionals who hear this and are interested in getting in touch with you, uh, are you on social media or would you have uh, a website or anything you'd like to share? Yes, sure. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to take questions. Um, my, I have a website. My name's Matthew, that's M-A-T-T-H-E-W, Solon, S-O-L-A-N. Um, and I have a, an NHS email address, which is probably the easiest one to use. That's matthewsolan at nhs.net. Well, thank you so much. It's great to hear about the, the creative uh, problem solving you've been able to employ to make sure that uh, orthopedic patients are able to get care during this time. Because as we alluded to a little bit earlier, there. Uh, once we do open up, there's a big backlog coming. So anything to relieve that. And and also, you know, uh, even during COVID, uh, an orthopedic injury can impact your quality of life. So being able to get that addressed uh, makes a huge difference. Um, so thank you again for, for sharing some of that. Any last thoughts that you'd like to, to conclude with? Um, only one thing really, you, you mentioned there that um, orthopedic injuries have a big impact. I have colleagues in other hospitals nearby, obviously, and because they haven't been able to make use of a scanner like this to progress the care of their patient, they've now they've now facing a situation where they have dozens of patients who've been hopping around on crutches with their ankles wrapped up in bandages or plaster casts, uncertain about whether they should be still doing that or not. And the lack mm. of a, a proper diagnosis uh, has big ramifications for, for quite a large number of patients because by necessity the, the treating doctor is going to play it safe and ask them not to walk on it until we know more right. and with life so difficult getting that extra information there are patients who are wearing their crutches out probably unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right that's that's a good point and this is a, a bonus question, so to speak. I, I just thought of it, but uh, and these are conversations that are happening all over 
uh, orthopedic communities how to address this. But do you have any thoughts about, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, total ankle replacements and other elective procedures that are uh, piling up, so to speak. Any thoughts about how, how that backlog is going to be uh, addressed? It, it's going to be very, very difficult. They're, they're talking about 4 million operations that haven't been done in this country uh, because of the COVID situation. And as we come out of that and start trying to resume normal care, it has to be prioritized. And there are going to be urgent cardiac and cancer operations that quite rightly take precedence over orthopedic um, treatments. But that's going to leave a mounting pile of unfortunate patients who are stuck with injuries and painful conditions that are just not getting dealt with promptly. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, in this country, we, the, the authorities have asked us to categorize our patients according to certain criteria, four different categories to emphasize the urgency with which they require help. Um, and everything on my surgical waiting list is category four out of four, which means mm. they're not going to get seen to for at least three months. Um, okay. And yes, that reflects the relatively non-urgent nature of the complaint. But it does mean that uh, waiting lists are just going to get bigger and bigger. And sadly, patients are going to be kept waiting whilst we try and catch up with all that work. Right, right. Well, that's it just points to the fact that efficiency in emergency rooms and in patient visits is only going to become that more crucial. Uh, well, I, I think that uh, I could probably continue to pick your brain for a lot more time, but we do appreciate you coming on today and uh, thank you again. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on as a guest again in the future. And, and uh, again, thank you for all the work that you're doing uh, during COVID. Not at all, Vinti. It's been great to speak to you and I hope that um, other people can maybe find some other ways of making use of this exciting new technology. Thank you. Thank you.